As the Washington Nationals took game one at Wrigley Field, we got to welcome another former top prospect into the breakout party. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On MLB for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day, as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. I'm your host Ryan Clary. You can catch me over on Twitter at Ryan Clary Eleven for all the latest Nationals details there. So for today's show. We're going to be previewing tonight's Game 2 matchup as Patrick Corbin takes on Jameson Tyon. Weird name to say. I've always hated that name. Whatever. We'll preview that game a little bit later on. In this second segment, since the Nationals did draft Dylan Cruz last week, this is the best thing to happen to Elijah Green, the top five pick of last year's draft. Probably the highest ceiling guy that we have in this national system as we sit here on July 18th. And yes, a higher ceiling than Dylan Cruz. And yes, James Wood as well. That's how good Elijah Green could be. But he has struggled insanely so far this year. It's been an awful year for Elijah Green. Let's talk about that a little bit later on and really what this means going forward for Elijah Green. Well, let's talk about last night's game to start off today's show. We all know Mackenzie Gore got the start in last night's game. And while you look at the numbers, if you're a box score Billy, if you are, if you're out there and you're not watching every game, that's fine. I appreciate you catching up on Locked On Nationals. But if you just open up the box score, you'd say, "Mm, Mackenzie Gore, six and a third innings, two home runs given up. His ERA is back up to a 4-5-9. Yikes. But that's not really the case. Mackenzie Gore actually looked Okay, in yesterday's start, minus the two home runs, it was fine. It really was fine. Now, while we talk about Mackenzie Gore and what I want to see in this second half is one, most importantly, is to stay healthy. Because we saw what Josiah Gray did last year. He was awful. He was one of the worst pitchers only behind Patrick Corbin in last year's National League. Truly was. But now fast forward this year. He's representing your Nationals up in the All-Star game. And now while you may think to yourself, well, someone has to represent us, yes, right? Of course. But also, Josiah Gray's numbers are actually good. And this guy has turned himself into from a below-average pitcher in last year to now a relatively above-average pitcher, a very much so above-average starter. He is starting to prove his worth. And I remember Davey Martinez and Mike Grizzo in last year's end-of-the-year presser, they talked about how key it was to finish the year healthy. They always said that, and they're like, well, it's really important to get that first year and to finish it healthy. And if you finish it healthy, it really learns, and you kind of mold your foundation of what a season should look like and going into an offseason healthy. That is a key thing, to really just go through an entire season, staying healthy, and learning and knowing how to be a big leaguer. 
At that time, I was like, eh, like, what's the difference? These guys are pitchers. They're going out there to compete. What's different from Josiah Gray learning that when you have guys like Steven Strasburg back in the day who come in and just get it automatically? Plenty of other guys out there. It's not just Strasburg. But you ask yourself, like, what does that really mean? Well, fast forward to this year. Josiah Gray has taken that step up, and he's probably taken two steps up, if we're being completely honest. So now the light beams are pointed at Mackenzie Gore. Mackenzie Gore started off really well. We were all talking about how this guy's our best pitcher right now. I said it plenty of times. He was the best pitcher that we had on this roster the first two months of this season. But now we're into it, and he's starting to struggle a little bit. He's still walking, guys. He's really starting to give up the home run ball, as we've seen over the last month or so. But what has stood out to me is that he is staying healthy throughout all of this. And now while you may be wanting to see results immediately, we all want to see that. This is a result-based industry in sports. You need to see it. But it's not really about that. Because, again, if you were to look at his numbers and just see that ERA sitting at a 4.59, you would say, this guy's been average at best, but he really hasn't been. He's got a top 10 strikeout rate in all of baseball. Now, where he's killer, meaning not good, he's got a bottom 10 strike uh, walk rate in all of baseball. That is where Mackenzie Gore has struggled all year now. And this isn't really common for young guys like himself getting acclimated to pitching every five days. Because some of you may not know, if you come out of college, you're pitching once a week. And really down in the minors, they try to get you acclimated to that five-day rest schedule, but it never really comes to fruition. Because one, there's six games a week, obviously. And plus, there's a lot more arms down in the minor leagues. There's a lot more arms they want to get looks at as well. And you also don't get the full season workload. Mackenzie Gore is coming up on his most innings pitch in his career. Career. High school. Minors. Majors. That is where he sits right now today. And with that said, you talk about Mackenzie Gore and what we want to see. Take the expectations away from this. What we want to see is that year two jump coming in next year. And what is going to help him with that is to stay healthy. That is the goal, simple as that, going forward for Mackenzie Gore. So when you talk about last night, while, again, let me reiterate, he did not look bad in my opinion. Yes, he gave up the two home run balls. Guess what? Every 24-year-old out there who's in their second full season as a major league pitcher will do that. And last year, he had half the season taken away because the Nationals just decided to shut him down completely. He could have pitched down the stretch, but he didn't. And it was a smart move to do by the Nationals. Enter the offseason healthy, which he was, by the way, that he was 100% healthy entering that offseason. Get a full offseason arrest, come into tr- spring training, and show what you are. And he showed us early, he can be that guy. He can be your front of the roster ace. But it's not going to happen overnight. And it's not going to happen over the course of a season either. Including myself, I got a little bit silly there early on in the season saying, this is the guy. This is the guy who's going to lead us throughout this season. No, it's been Josiah Gray. And a lot of people may ask, well, what does that do to? Is it to expanding his arsenal? Just being more accurate in general? limiting the long ball. It's all those things. But I also think it comes back to finishing last year healthy and getting used to that pitching every five days, getting used to the major league schedule, getting used to 
traveling to the West Coast and then playing on the East Coast 24 hours later. Minor leaguers don't do that. You're typically in the same time zone when you're traveling from minor to minor stadium. All those things to where you and I, the common folks out there who just like to watch baseball, drink beer and eat a hot dog at a baseball game, we don't really see that too often. We don't see that part of this scenario where it really pays off because I don't know about you guys. My father just got back from a trip from Alaska. Alaska, it's four hours behind. Three hours behind over in California. It's a tough way to really get back into things. And even if you're just coming on a trip from even an hour behind you in the middle of the West Coast or whatever the hell you want to say, it's tough. And so all these different things add up to young pitchers like Mackenzie Gore that I don't think a lot of people really put into perspective. So when you talk about last night's performance, yes, he gave up multiple home runs. Yes, he walked to too many guys. But he is also doing what he does best, which is striking out batters. And we've seen the St. Louis Cardinals. Yesterday, I believe, their president of baseball operations came out and said, well, we used to target pitchers who get a lot of ground ball contact and try to get all that stuff and all the analytical stuff that they want to do. But no, they're now going back to the whiff rate. And you know what whiff rate is? Swings and misses. You know who gets swings and misses? Mackenzie Gord. Even with all these struggles, he gets the strikeouts. That is what a current big league pitcher does. That is what you want to see from Mackenzie Gore going forward, which again, he did last night, striking out six in six and a third innings. So this wasn't really supposed to be about Mackenzie Gore. But people also shouldn't be worried or concerned just from last night's start and just from this rough patch. You're going to see a lot better versions of Mackenzie Gore this year, I can tell you that. This certainly wasn't his top start either. Wasn't his worst, wasn't his best, it wasn't his average. It was probably below average. But still, you got to stay even keel through this rebuild. Because this ain't the first one. And this isn't going to be the last one either. That you're going to have to ride this wave. Because these Nationals prospects, they're coming. Like Elijah Green, who we're going to talk about in just a little bit. But you guys can catch the Nationals play the Cubs tonight at 8.05 Eastern Time as Patrick Corbin woo-hoo, takes the mound against Jameson Tyon. Catch every pitch of the Nationals hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Nationals there. And before we get into Elijah Green here, I need to tell you guys about our friends over at Game Time. And guys, when I go on Game Time, I love it so much because buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. Game time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and the price guaranteed, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hype for the fun that you'll have. When I go to Nationals game, which is multiple times a week if they're on a home stretch there, I go right up to Nats Park at 645. I open my game time app. I click a ticket that I want. I view the C images, which is oh so amazing, by the way. And I get everything that I need to know. I want you guys to have that in your back pocket as well. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code locked on MLB for $20 off. 
your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on MLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Now let's get back into it as we are going to be discussing Elijah Green and a little bit of Robert Hassel. So I kind of plugged this and really said this last week when we talked about Dylan Cruz and who were the biggest winners when it came to drafting Dylan Cruz. And yes, Nationals, the organization, big winner. The fans, big winner. DC to DC, it's real. Dylan Cruz is worth the hype. And if you aren't aware already, I believe Baseball Prospectus and Baseball America already has him in the top five prospect list. Oh, and he's ahead of James Wood. Pretty damn good for this Nationals organization to pull that off. You got two top five prospects, both of them being outfielders. But this time last year, we were raving about this one guy. The one superstar talent that we got. The highest upside pick that we got in last year's draft. Probably the highest upside in last year's draft by a long shot. And yes, a higher upside than a Jackson Holiday and a Drew Jones. But now, fast forward a year later. Elijah Green, after killing it in rookie ball last year in just a few games. Limited time down there in Florida. You fast forward now, he's struggling like crazy. Simple as that. He is struggling. He has not been able to find his footing there. And it's worrisome. When you are touted for your slugging, when you are touted for all the power that you have, and you sit here on July 18th, 2023, and through 58 games, you only have three home runs. You only have 29 RBIs. You're batting 218. Again, a 318 slug and a 644 OPS. You're not getting on base. And most importantly, your strikeout rate is through the roof. Let's call it as it is. 106 strikeouts through 58 games. That is egregious. That is nearly two strikeouts per game. Nearly a 50% strikeout rate. Just right then and there. You look at it and you're like, oh my God. We knew about the swing and miss potential of him. That's why a lot of teams did not take him earlier on in that draft. He was a top five pick. He was fifth overall in the 2022 draft. But if he did not have those swing and miss problems throughout high school, there would have been a legit discussion of him going number one or number two over the number one overall prospect right now at Jackson Holiday. That is the kind of tools that Elijah Green possesses here. He's got the speed. He's got the power. He had the hit tool at one point as well during his high school career, and he batted 312 games last year down in Florida. He started off this season relatively pretty hot through the first two weeks. But it has come crashing down when it comes to Elijah Green because he hasn't played right now since June 28th. And I'm not going to speculate as to why that is. I don't know. I haven't seen anything out there that seems durable as to what I should believe. Is he hurt? Are they just giving him a break? Whatever it is, it's fishy. I can tell you that. But before that, in the month of June, in his last 66 at-bats, he struck out 34 times. Again, say what you want. I know I've seen a lot of people out there defending Elijah Green, and I am as well. Elijah Green still has the upside. I'm still not completely discouraged by his performance so far this season. 
He's 19 years old. You shouldn't be. But 34 strikeouts in 66 at-bats down in low A, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Jared McKenzie, a late-round pick. I don't care if you're Jake Galou, another late-round pick. If you're striking out 34 times in 66 at-bats, that's a cause of concern. That is a huge cause of concern going forward. Because this is the lowest level in the minor leagues. And while you might say, well, send him down a rookie ball. Come on. Rookie ball? Rookie ball as a 19-year-old? No. That does not mold well. That is not how you develop prospects. The Nationals need to get in the lab and fix his swing. Whatever that is, however that comes, whatever analytics out there, you need it, and you need to use it for Elijah Green. Because if he was with the Tampa Bay Rays or the Los Angeles Dodgers, teams like that who use analytics and use them wisely, he wouldn't be this bad. I can tell you that. But I also don't think he would be as good as his ceiling once was. Now, his ceiling hasn't dissipated. This guy still has power. He's got obvious holes in his game, just like a ton of minor leaguers coming into the system. But let's get back to the main point. Because I think Elijah Green was the biggest winner. Even Robert Hassel as well. Robert Hassel is also in this conversation of someone who has struggled. And it's really the fall off has since he was traded from the Padres to the Nationals. That's the concerning part to me in this scenario. Because we do want to talk about all these prospects we have. James Wood and Dylan Cruz. I think they're the surest of sure things that we could possibly ever ask for. I don't think they're the prospect tandem that we had with Strasburg and Harper but I certainly think they're up there. They're really good. They're going to be very good ballplayers in the majors. But when talking about Robert Hassel, who is also a top prospect, who was also at one point even a top 25 prospect when we got him in last year's draft, he was ranked higher than James Wood. James Wood, the top five prospect in all of baseball at this moment. Dylan Cruz, he probably was up there. They probably thought he was going to be more like Dylan Cruz than a James Wood, because Hassel doesn't have the power. But he was able to hit for average. He was able to get on base. His plate discipline was up there as well. But now, fast forward, Hassel's strikeout rate is up. His doubles are down. His extra base hits, his hitting tool in general, is down. But these two guys are the biggest winners because you have someone like a Dylan Cruz now. You have someone like a James Wood as well. The pressure is not going to be on those two guys. Robert Hassel and Elijah Green were the two biggest winners of that 2023 MLB draft. And now a lot of people might say, well, now we have a logjam. No, we don't. No, we don't. Because let's be honest. As we say and say James Wood and Dylan Cruz, they're sure things. We say it. These guys are going to be superstars. They're going to be great MVP candidates, hopefully. It's not guaranteed. You've seen guys flare out, because let me remind you about someone who's on this roster currently. Victor Robles was a top five prospect for what felt like 10 years. Everyone was talking about the hit tool, the power potential, the stealing bases, all the fun stuff, and the plus fielding, the plus arm, the plus everything. He seemed like he had all the talent in the world. We know how that's worked out. So now you look at Robert Hassel and Elijah Green. Over the last few months, outside of James Wood, those have been the two talking points. The struggles that Robert Hassel has gone through. 
the struggles that Elijah Green has gone through as well. It's kind of been a little much, I could say. It's been worrisome. But now you take those guys, the focus aren't on them anymore. It's on James Wood and it's on Dylan Cruz. Now we will certainly be talking about Elijah Green and Robert Hassel. But let's also take it this way. They need their own time to develop. And I think as you have guys at the top two with Dylan Cruz and James Wood, they have their own timeline now. If they need extra help to get all these different tools back in their arsenal, they're going to have that time to make that adjustment. If the Nationals have to pull Elijah Green and make some huge, massive swing adjustment to at least try to have some success in the second half in Fredericksburg, they're going to do that. And they should do that. But it's not a guaranteed thing. But also people shouldn't rush this process. Because if you were to get a fully developed Elijah Green, that is the best thing to happen in this Washington Nationals franchise. Because I'll stand on this hill. Now, while you can't a thousand percent guarantee James Wood and Dylan Cruz to be a sure thing, I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is and say, I'm pretty sure both those guys will be studs. All you need to do now is fill one of those outfield positions with a free agent or with someone like Elaine Thomas, or maybe another Nationals prospect breaks loose and finds his way out there someday. But Robert Hassel and Elijah Green, if you were to fill those guys out, and if they were to develop to what we think they should be, that is the best case scenario for the Washington Nationals. And in particular, when it comes to Elijah Green, I'll say it again. He's got the highest ceiling in this Nationals farm system. Now, ceiling never means outcome. Never has, it never will. But if he does reach that ceiling, the way that James Wood has done with himself, that is an exciting player. That is someone who's going to be a top 10 prospect in all of baseball. But he's just got to find a way to put it together. And if he did find out that he does have that in him, that he can get those results, that he can find that power and hit for 20-plus home runs down in the minor leagues, then the Nationals have found themselves a huge help in this system. And it will totally, totally revamp this rebuild once again. So thank you guys for making Locked On Nats your first listen every day. You can catch the Nationals playing the Cubs tonight at 8.05 Eastern time as Patrick Corbin is on the bump and catch every game of the Nationals hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Nationals there. Now we're going to talk about tonight's game two over at Wrigley Field. I'll tell you guys everything about that right after this. And now let's get back into it as the Nationals take on the Chicago Cubs in tonight's matchup with Jamison Tyon versus Patrick Corbin. Yay, we love a Patrick Corbin start, am I right? We love watching Patrick Corbin out there. We do, sort of. 2019 legend, that's really all I got for Patrick Corbin. But keys to the game, simple as this, you got to keep the ball in the yard. We saw last night in the summer, the ball flies at Wrigley Field. Multiple home runs. Mackenzie Gore gave up two home runs. Kiber Ruiz hit a home run. Jamer Candelario hit a bomb as well. The ball was flying. So in tonight's matchup, when you have guys like Jamison Tyon, who's struggled insanely, insanely amount this year, 
And then you also have Patrick Corbin, who, as we know, likes to give up that long ball. That is kind of makes me happy because Jameson Tyon does the same thing. But with Patrick Corbin on the mound, you're like, eh. And with this bullpen, er, not great. It doesn't really make you feel all too confident, especially when it when it comes down to this. Cody Bellinger, while Mackenzie Gore actually did a pretty decent job keeping him stalemate for the entire night yesterday, he led the major leagues in hits in July. Yesterday only had one hit off Mackenzie Gore and struck him out on a really nice high fastball in my last night's game. But so going in tonight for Patrick Corbin, we kind of have to see that same result. Because when you have someone like a Cody Bellinger, and yes, he's still not the same Cody Bellinger, but he's not the old Cody Bellinger that we've seen over the last two years. He's way more closer to his MVP self than the terrible Cody Bellinger that we saw over the last two to three seasons. But fast forward going into tonight's game, the keys are this. It's simple, as I said here. You got to keep the ball in the yard. You have to keep this Cubs offense from taking advantage of you. And when you already have game one in your arsenal, let's take the series. Take game two. Because you have game three going tomorrow. And what else do you need? You just need to win this game. Because as of right now, we sit here and we're like, does this team have what it takes to actually win this series? Because the Cubs aren't all that great. They aren't all that special. They have the talent, but they really haven't put it together. Because Jamison Tyun, while he used to be a very good pitcher, in my opinion, I've really always liked him throughout his career, the guy struggled an incredible amount this year. A 6-1-5 ERA. That's Patrick Corbin of last year, man. This Nationals team and this offense will have to take advantage of him, which I do think they can do. And I think that if the Nationals were smart in tonight's bowl game, you're going to put the pressure in their court, meaning you're going to want to play a little bit of small ball. While you have C.J. Abrams leading off tonight, I'm assuming, because this is going to be his role for the rest of the season, which it should be, that's going to be kind of an exciting fact of this. And I think that could be a foundation in C.J. Abrams' game if you really get him going. Because imagine this. While I, I hate small ball personally, it's still a part of this game. And in fact, I think it's probably going to be making a comeback if it hasn't already. CJ could easily lay down a bunt. And with someone with his speed, as fast as he is, imagine trying to get that blazer over at first base if you were to lay down a bunt and perfectly execute it. That's a hit. You're getting on base, and you're helping this team win. That is an important factor, so I could watch that for tonight's game because Jameson Tyun, not a great fielder. Thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen. The Nationals play the Cubs tonight at 8.05 Eastern time. Catch every pitch of the Nationals hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Nationals there. And again, guys, thank you for making us your first listen. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network where your team every day. Tomorrow's show, we'll get into talking about Game 2 tonight and as well as previewing Game 3 So as far as that goes, go Nationals. Take one at Wrigley Field tonight. We always like to see it. Never forget 2017 Game 4 NLDS with Steven Strasburg on the bump. That's the nostalgia that I like from this Nationals team. I'll catch you guys on the flip side. Go Nationals.